Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Good morning. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge our senior team leader, Simon, for the trust and the privilege that he invites other people into to speak in this place. We honour you, Simon, and we love you. And I can hear you all cheering. We go on to look at his word now from the book of Ruth. Ruth is a short book in the Old Testament. It only has four chapters. And there's a lot of analogies in this book that are relevant to us today that can encourage us and help us in our walk with God. So let's begin in Ruth chapter 1, and today I'm reading from the Living Bible Paraphrase. Long ago, when judges ruled in Israel, a man named Elimelech from Bethlehem left the country because of a famine and moved to the land of Moab. With him were his wife, Naomi, and his two sons, Marlon and Chilion. So we have a family from Bethlehem experiencing famine and moving to the land of Moab in search of food, a family unit of four people. Verse 3. During the time of their residence there, Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. These young men, Marlon and Chilion, married girls of Moab, Orpah and Ruth. But later, both men died so that Naomi was left alone without her husband or her sons. So here was Naomi losing her husband, losing her family, in a foreign land, looking for food. They were three women alone, her and her two two daughter-in-laws, and they had no one to provide for them or care for them. Naomi, and this is the character that we're going to follow this morning, Naomi was in a dark place. Suddenly, unexpectedly, she had found herself losing her family. She was coping with grief and with loss, uncertainty and fear. All these things that I think perhaps we can connect to, particularly in the recent months. Suddenly, unexpectedly, fear, confusion, grief, loss. But... In Naomi's dark place, she hears a word of hope. A word of hope that back in Bethlehem, her hometown, God had blessed them with food again. And so Naomi makes a decision that along with her two daughter-in-laws, she's going to go back to Bethlehem, back to her home country. Now, from what I can work out, this journey would have taken between five and ten days on foot. And this is the most likely mode of transport for these three women. And the terrain between Moab and Bethlehem was rugged and steep. So it was no small task to set out on this journey. But the three women did. In verse 8, But after they had begun their homeward journey... She, Naomi, changed her mind and said to her two daughters-in-law, why don't you return to your parents' home instead of coming with me? And may the Lord reward you 
for your faithfulness to your husbands and to me. And may he bless you with another happy marriage. Then she kissed them and they all broke down and cried. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, it is better for you to return to your own people. Do I have younger sons who could grow up to be your husbands? In that time and culture, if your husband died, then if your husband had other brothers, they would then take you as their widow, as a widow, as their wife. Interesting thought, isn't it? They would then provide and protect you and the family line would then be able to continue. But in verse 12, Naomi says, No, my daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to have a husband, and even if that were possible and I became pregnant tonight and bore sons, would you wait for them to grow up? No, of course not, my daughters. Oh, how I grieve for you that the Lord has punished me in a way that injures you. And again they cried together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and returned to her childhood home. But Ruth insisted on staying with Naomi. See, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, and this is a beautiful statement of commitment, don't make me leave you, for I want to go wherever you go and to live wherever you live. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. I want to die where you die and be buried there. May the Lord do terrible things to me if I allow anything but death to separate us. These words demonstrate the selflessness of Ruth, her loyalty, her love, her faithfulness and devotion to Naomi. She expressed her love in such a clear way. She was a word of hope to Naomi in this situation. I find it interesting that Naomi chose to release both of her daughter-in-laws, to tell them to return home. Clearly she was thinking about the need to find more husbands. Maybe she was also thinking, if I take these girls with me, they're going to have to live in a foreign land too. And Naomi knew what that was like. Maybe it hadn't been easy. Orpah returned to Moab, but Ruth chose not to. And even though Naomi strongly urged Ruth to return, not once, but several times, Ruth chose to stay. And so, in fact, by releasing Ruth... She had then returned and Naomi had a stronger commitment, a greater relationship, a certainty that they were going to be together, far greater than she had in the beginning. She let two go, one stayed and one was really committed. It reminds me of releasing things. Sometimes in our dark places there's things that we think of, things that we can't get out of our minds, things that get stuck there. Maybe it's our hopes, our dreams, our expectations of how life should be, our disappointments of how it isn't. Maybe it's material things that we've put a far greater value on than God. 
Perhaps it can be a relationship that we need to let go of, or a habit, or an addiction. Things to release. When we let them go and give them to God, we take our hands off them and we let him be in charge. And it can help to shift our perspective. It can help us from being stuck where we are when we release things to him. Things to release. So Naomi and Ruth continued on in their journey and in verse 19 it says, So they both came back to Bethlehem and the entire village was stirred by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? the women asked. It had been more than 10 years since these women had seen Naomi. Maybe she had aged some. But I wonder too if perhaps they could see in her the marks of the difficult journey that she had been on. Sometimes when we've been through tough times... People can see that in our appearance. Sometimes it's a visible thing. Sometimes it's hidden in our heart. Battle scars from our experience. Naomi said to them, Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For Almighty God has dealt me bitter blows. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home empty. Why should you call me Naomi when the Lord has turned his back on me and sent such calamity? When we're in the midst of our troubles, life cuts deep into us and we realise our hopelessness and our inability to control circumstances. Naomi had left Bethlehem with her family, full, she described it, and she had come home empty. She was honest in how she felt. She was bitter even so much as to ask the women to call her Mara, to name her bitterness. It can be helpful to identify our feelings when we're in rough times. Sometimes it can help even simply to say out loud to ourselves how we feel. Hearing it spoken from our voice can help us to identify it and move on from it. Sometimes it's good to express our feelings in a safe place to another appropriate person. That helps us to move us from being stuck in how we feel and able to move on with what we're dealing with. In a funny sort of way, it can take the power out of our feelings. Naomi certainly made her feelings clear. But here she is in her hometown. She's a widow, broken, no one to care for her, no husband, no family. And right now, her most basic need of food needs to be met. And here someone steps in to help her, someone young and able, someone whose name was Ruth, with another word of hope. And here the story goes on, and here we can hear the fingerprints of God all over the story as God unpacks his purposes and his plan one step at a time. If you haven't read the book of Ruth before, I encourage you to do that. Four short chapters and listen to God and listen for the words of hope that he might speak to you in your situation today. Chapter 2 tells us of Ruth going into the fields to glean. Now when these women had arrived back in Bethlehem, it was the time of the barley harvest. 
And the normal thing was that the men would go in front, they would reap the harvest, and the women would walk along behind and pick up the grains that had been dropped or left behind. This was called gleaning. So Ruth went out into a field to glean. She does this, she works hard, and at midday the owner of the field came out and he speaks to the foreman. And as he looked out over the field, he saw Ruth and he said to the foreman, Who is that woman? The foreman replied, She has been here since early this morning. She has worked really hard. She is the woman who came back to Bethlehem with Naomi. I find this a beautiful thing, that Ruth's reputation is now going before her. The way that she has cared for Naomi, her loyalty, her selflessness, her faithfulness, people have watched that, people have seen it. And now in her own circumstance, this is bringing her much grace. The man who owned the field, his name was Boaz. He went to speak to Ruth and he shared his lunch with her, a shared lunch of roasted barley. And he said to Ruth, be sure to stay in my field. He also went to speak to his men and he told the men to leave her alone so that she was protected. And he also instructed the men to intentionally and deliberately leave behind some other grains, particularly for Ruth, so that she would have plenty. And at the end of her working day, Ruth went home to Naomi and she showed her the grain that she had gleaned and the leftover roast barley from lunch. And immediately, Naomi recognised that this was a very generous amount for Ruth to have gleaned in one day. And she said, whose field were you in? And Ruth replied, the man's name is Boaz. And Naomi immediately knew that this man was one of her close family. This was a close relative of hers. And she said to Ruth, be sure to stay in that field. Twice Ruth had been told that. Boaz had told her and Naomi had told her. Naomi recognised the great amount that Ruth had been blessed by. So they went through the barley harvest and following that there was the wheat harvest where the same process happened again. This is a rather agricultural story this morning. Following the end of harvest, Naomi then had a very intentional conversation with Ruth about finding her a new husband. Now, I don't know if this was part of the culture for her to do that or whether she felt it was her responsibility to do that or whether she simply wanted to see Ruth settled in Bethlehem. But Naomi spoke to Ruth about marriage and she suggested that Boaz would be a good man to marry. And Naomi had a plan and she shared that plan with Ruth. Again, if you haven't read this story, please do. It's a beautiful story of romance, of honour and integrity. So Ruth went ahead with this plan and Boaz agreed to be her husband. But Boaz recognised that were some legal matters that needed to be taken care of first. And so he went off to do that. And as you hear his journey in that, you will see 
that Boaz is revealed to be a man of honour and integrity, a man who really wanted to care for Ruth, to make her safe and to ensure that she was well provided for. And so the two of them were married. It's interesting to note that Boaz was 80 years old then and Ruth was 40. And following their marriage, they were blessed with a son and they called their son Obed. And again, we can look back into history now and see the fingerprints of God all over that because Obed became the father of Jesse, who became the father of King David and right down the line to the birth of Jesus Christ. So Boaz and Ruth had become entwined in the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. What an honour and a privilege that was for them. There's a most beautiful part of this story in chapter 4, verse 14. After Obed had been born, the women of the city said to Naomi, Bless the Lord who has given you this little grandson. May he be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and take care of you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you so much and has been kinder to you than seven sons. Naomi took care of the baby and the neighbouring women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. And in a different translation they said, The women took the baby, took Obed, and placed him in Naomi's arms as a prophetic act saying to her, Now at last you have a son again. And that was such a powerful word to Naomi. She had come full circle. She had left Bethlehem with a husband and two sons, walked to a foreign land, lost her husband, lost her sons, again experienced famine, walking through that journey of loss and grief, of uncertainty and fear, and of coming back to her hometown of Bethlehem and the story of Ruth and her provision, and meeting Boaz, marrying him, and having a son, Obed. Her family had been restored to her. There was now a male in her family line. There was a husband to provide for Ruth, to provide for her. It's a beautiful story of God's restoration, God's provision, God's renewing, and the love and care and the faithfulness of God to his people. So what are the lessons that we can learn from this today? Firstly, God has a plan. Whether you know it or not, whether you know what the plan is, whether you're searching for the plan, whether you have no idea what God's plan is, whether you ignore God, whether you've turned your back on him or even rejected him, in any of those circumstances, God has a plan for you, a perfect plan. God has made you and created you as an individual and he planted seeds of destiny in your life, seeds that will grow you up to fulfil the plan and purpose that he has for your life. His love for you is so great that it's beyond words to explain. It's amazing, it's all-encompassing, it's so very powerful, it is life-changing. And because of God's great love for us, 
his greatest desire is that we walk in relationship with him. And he made that possible by sending Jesus into our world. Jesus died on the cross. He took my place, your place. He was the perfect sacrifice once and for all so that we could receive forgiveness from God and be restored into relationship with him so that we could be children of God, sons and daughters of the king. That's God's plan. Secondly, listen for words of hope in your life. There's lots of words of hope in the Bible, if you read that. A word of hope can be something that someone intentionally says to you as a word of encouragement. It can be something you read. It may be a song or a poem or a lyric. Or it may be the Holy Spirit bringing words to your mind, to your heart, especially for you. When you find a word of hope, hold on to it. Write it down. Bury it in your heart so that you can draw on that as a resource, especially in your tough times. And it can bring you strength and hope and the power of God into your life. Thirdly, keep going on the journey. Everyone is in a journey of life, step by step. It's not always going to be easy. God didn't promise that it would be easy, but he did promise that he would be with us always, that he would never leave us or forsake us, and that he will help us and provide for us. We need to take steps of faith in him, one step at a time, and allow him to be our God. Fourthly, releasing things to God. Things that are your hopes, your dreams, your expectations, your disappointments, things that you struggle with, people that you struggle with, anything that's a difficulty to you, release it to God. And as we give it to him, we take our hands off it, we give him charge of it. And then he is free to pour his love and grace and forgiveness into us and enable us to walk with him. And lastly, let's be a word of hope to others. Whether that's a spoken word, whether it's a kindly deed, or time spent with someone, or a resource shared with someone, or perhaps a prayer offered on behalf of someone else. Let's be intentional to watch out for the opportunities that God gives to us each day and let's take hold of those opportunities with courage and step into them with faith so that others can see the love of God through us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are our almighty God. A God that is always with us a God who walks before us and behind us, a God who is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you, God, for your great love for us. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us, that you have seeds planted in us that are uniquely our own. Father, as we come to you, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that he was in our place. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness for the times when we may have strayed from you, ignored you, gone against your direction, or even rejected you. 
We ask your forgiveness, Lord, and we pray that you would help us to walk more closely to you. Help us, Lord, to be aware of your presence, to be aware of your leading and guiding. Help us to be courageous in stepping into the opportunities that you give us. Help us to share your love and your light with others. And Lord, we pray that we would be vessels for you, that through us you would be known, that you would be seen, that you would be experienced. We thank you for the grace and peace that you cover us with and for the strength and hope that you are to us each day. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Saviour and our King. Amen.